Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. As always, I am your host with the Hall of French Toast, Freddie Carlson, and I am joined by my good friend on the other side of the microphone, the heart of the wrestling fan base himself, Angelo Belly. Say hello to the people, Angelo. Hello, hello. And today it is the two of us. We're back as a unit, and we are going to be talking about a very interesting topic that I had the idea for about a week or so ago. We are going to discuss the concept of double champions. Uh, Double champions, the definition being a single superstar holding two separate championships at the same time. Now, this is something that Angelo and I had to clarify ourselves when looking up names for this list. A A double champion does not mean you just carried two belts. Because that would mean that the WWE World Heavyweight Championship of 2013 into 14 was a double championship. It is not. That was a single championship signified by two championship belts. A double champion, for example, is being the WWE champion and the United States champion. Separately, separate championships held at the same time. Or being the Intercontinental champion and one half of a tag team champion team. So those are the types of things we're talking about. And so Angelo and I compiled the list of double champions in the history of WWE. We're going to focus solely on them. We might drop reference to some other companies, but WWE is going to be the sole focus of it. And we're just going to discuss how it looks and to us, what we think, uh, our opinions on the concept, uh, rating some of the guys who have done it over the years, our favorites, our least favorites, and maybe even talking about guys who we think could very well do it in the future. Uh, so I think right off the bat, I'm going to read the list and, uh, I'm not going to try not to take too much time with this, but there's a long, long list of individuals who have held both, uh, have held multiple championships simultaneously. And I'm going to run through them quickly. These are all under the WWE banner. So there will be some WCW championships, but it was after the purchase of WCW and those titles were defended essentially as WWE property. So I'm just going to run through them really quick. Bob Backlund. The first one under the official WWE banner, he was WWE champion and a tag team champion at the same time. Ultimate Warrior, WWE and Intercontinental title. Diesel, Intercontinental and tag team. British Bulldog, tag team and European. Owen Hart, Intercontinental and tag team. Shawn Michaels, WWE and European. Big Boss Man, hardcore and tag team. Ken Shamrock, Intercontinental and tag team. D'Lo Brown, Intercontinental and European, the first Eurocontinental champion. Jeff Jarrett, the IC Intercontinental and European, the second Eurocontinental champion. Kurt Angle, IC and European, also the last Eurocontinental champion. Uh, Stone Cold, the WWE title and the tag titles, Triple H Intercontinental and tag team, Test Intercontinental and tag team, Booker T, WCW and the WCW United States titles, Canyon, the WWE tag team title and the WCW United States title, The Undertaker and Kane, uh, as both the WWE and WCW Tag Team Champions. Kane also did it as the, the World Tag Team Champion and the Intercontinental Champion under WWE. X-Pac, WCW Cruiserweight and WWE Light Heavyweight. Chris Jericho did it as the WWE and WCW Champion, as well as the WCW and WWE Tag Team Champion. Eddie Guerrero was the USN Tag Champion. Chris Benoit, World Heavyweight and Tag Team Champion. Batista, World Heavyweight and Tag Team Champion. John Cena was WWE Champion and a Tag Team Champion. Rob Van Dam, WWE and ECW titles. The Miz did it twice uh, as a unified tag team champion and a U.S. champion. He held three belts, 
two titles, but three belts at that one time. Also had another reign as the both WWE the champion and a tag champ. Paige was a Divas champ and the NXT Women's champ simultaneously. Seth Rollins, the man of the hour, on this list in three separate occasions. The first, the WWE in the United States. The second, the Intercontinental and the tag team. And the third, the Universal and the tag team. Becky Lynch, the SmackDown and Raw Women's Championships. Keith Lee, both the NXT and NXT North American Championships. Bayley as the Women's Tag Team Champion and the SmackDown Women's Champion. And Sasha Banks as the Raw Women's Champion and the Women's Tag Team Champions. Those last three all taking place in this calendar year. And Angelo, I've talked for the last five minutes. What do you got to say about some of those names? Give me some opinions right off of the bat. Uh, some of the names definitely, uh, I think we could both agree that we never heard of until compiling this list. But others, uh, definitely not a surprise to us about their ability to carry to maybe even like the Miz three championships yeah I remember it was pretty cool watching the Miz come out he would have the titles draped around his neck strapped together the tag titles and then the U.S. title was around his waist and he held all three for a good while I mean he was that was when he was a part of show Miz big show in the Miz uh interesting random tag teams which we've over the course of the episode spoken about uh but yes um one that sticks out to me the very first one Bob Backlund who officially under the WWE banner, from what I gathered in my research, was when, and I'm talking 1963 through present day, was the first man to actually hold two championships simultaneously. And at that time, I found out he had to relinquish the tag team titles. So he won the, ta- the World Tag Team Championships from the Wild Samoans with Pedro Morales uh, in 1984, I believe it was, or 80, uh, 83. I believe, and he was the current WWE champion at the time. He was in the midst of his 2,000-day-long reign, and the next night, uh, the next day, him and Pedro forfeited the titles because they said at the time he couldn't defend both of them. Uh, An interesting concept when you compare it to now, how you see so many guys working double, triple duty in one night, you know, and uh, so that was unique to me, you know, and doing the research for this, finding that out right off of the bat was pretty cool. Uh, Another one I wanted to talk about was... uh, well, what was his name? Um, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, uh, as we said, we're going to mention other companies selectively as well. Kurt Angle has actually been a double champion in two companies. In fact, he, uh, in the second company, held just about every title under the sun that you possibly could. Uh, Kurt Angle in TNA, and I believe it was 2007, was the TNA World Heavyweight Champion, the TNA X Division Champion, both halves of the TNA World Tag Team Champions, and he was also the American version of the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. So he actually is on this list, not li- not a list per se, but he's in this discussion twice. So uh, the other one being his Eurocontinental title reigns of the year 2000 and 2001, I believe. Uh, Angelo, what do you make of Kurt Angle being in two separate companies holding so much gold? I mean, that just... Uh... To me personally, that just says a lot about his uh, his track record in professional wrestling history. Um, a man that not only won, I, I believe he's the only wrestler in the in the world to win a gold medal in the Olympics and to compete in professional wrestling too. Yeah, when, uh, it, when it comes to a gold medal, yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, what's his name? Chad Gable won a bronze medal, but still. Yeah. Um, to to achieve that gold medal in the Olympics and then. Like, literally, I think it was, what, a year or two later, he was wrestling for WWE. Mm-hmm. And then, I know, where just became this huge star. And to actually hold 
both of the tag titles in TNA while feuding with his tag partner Samoa Joe over all the gold. Yeah, it was and that was that was an interesting uh an interesting yeah, period. Absolutely. Uh one thing I know with Kurt, I, I I saw an interview somewhere, it may have even been his Hall of Fame induction package or induction speech. Um, when he came into the business, he had no idea what he was doing. He was an amateur wrestler in the in the nineties, you know, high school, college. You know, that's how he got to the Olympics, and he you know, he won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck in nineteen ninety six at the Olympic Games in Atlanta, where the games were taking place. So in on American soil, no less. Uh, and then by late nineteen ninety nine, he was in WWE, and he was uh, debuting at the Survivor Series. And I remember him saying he literally became a sponge. He tried to soak up everything and anything he could from people who had been here longer. And how quickly he adapted to being so good in the ring. It was unparalleled how in not even a year's time, he went from a Olympic name who was just coming to the WWE to being literally one of the main guys in the late Attitude Era. You know, he was featured in some big storylines with The Undertaker, with... Uh, the Rock and Stone Cold and Chris Jericho and some really big stuff. And yet he had that world title run, his first one in late 2000. Then he dropped the title, went down to the mid-card scene uh, and had the Eurocontinental title reign, which was what's put him in this discussion. And then ended up ascending to even bigger heights after that with Team Angle and, and the SmackDown 6 and his eventual uh, move to Raw and the final days before going to TNA. And I think arguably, if you're talking about guys who came from WWE and went to TNA, and there's a lot, that's a discussion for another day for sure. Um, Kurt Angle, arguably the most successful out of all of them, would you say? Out of all WWE oh. guys to have spent an extended period of time in TNA? Oh yeah, without a doubt. Um, I think I think he pretty much achieved it all in, uh, in TNA also. I don't think a lot of guys that jump ship definitely achieved half of what he did he was a i believe a six or seven time world champion in tna which actually is more than his world title accumulation in wwe so it's actually pretty funny to believe that a guy who for all intents and purposes it always is and will be a wwe guy had arguably more singles success in times in terms of being the main guy in tna and he spent more time as an active competitor there than he did in wwe he was in WWE from 1999 to 2006, and he was in TNA from late 2006 until 2016. So he spent seven years with WWE and ten with TNA. So, you know, just funny how some things work out and uh, and stuff like that. Uh, and other notable TNA guys while we're here to hold multiple championships uh, on that I was able to find. I spent some time researching. Uh, there's, their history is a little bit more spotty, but some of the more well-known ones include um, Team 3D, who held multiple tag team championships whilst in TNA. Uh, I believe they held the IWGP uh, heavyweight tag titles as well as the TNA tag titles. Bobby Lashley held three titles simultaneously, the world title, the X Division, and the King of the Mountain title. King of the Mountain title, not to su stray off subject, that title had a lot of rebrands. I remember originally it was like the global title, the Legends title, the TV title, the King of the Mountain title. They changed the name of that thing a thousand and one times. And it somehow lasted like eight or nine years. But I, it got retired after Lashley won it. And that was good. Uh, also, Samoa Joe, Matt Seidel, Austin Aries, and Gail Kim are the notable names. Any of those names strike you outside of Lashley and Angle and Joe, who we've all talked about? Uh, the the most shocking one was, uh, I think, Aries. So, to yeah. hold all the all the gold. I mean, um, I, know, I know that he held the X Division and then... Uh, 
was it was it the X Division and the World Title at the same time back in the day? Um, and then so no, he actually <laughs> originated the idea of Option C. Uh, option C, option C uh, for those who might not know, in TNA was created, I believe, in 2012. Austin Aries petitioning to Hulk Hogan, who was the on-screen GM at the time, to create an opportunity for some guys who might not normally be in the world title scene. If whoever the X Division champion was at the time of the Destination X pay-per-view every year would have the ability to cash in the X Division title uh, and forfeit it to be vacant and have an opportunity to win the world title, which several guys did, including Aries and Chris Sabin are the two notable names that come to mind for me when it comes to X Division champions cashing in. Um, but Aries' double champ run actually was in 2018. He was at the time, his his post-WWE run, after his release, he went all around the world. He held titles in TNA, Defiant Wrestling, World Series Wrestling, and a four, I forget the fourth company he competed in, and held the world championships in all four companies simultaneously. And when he was in TNA, he also won the TNA Grand Championship, a very short-lived uh, almost British round style type of, of uh, championship that I didn't really get behind. I didn't, you know, they didn't do a good job of presenting it to me in a way that I would enjoy. But he held that title simultaneously with the Impact World Title, which qualifies him as a double champion in this list, or this not a list but discussion. Oh yeah, that's right. In 2018, he had like five different championships. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was an interesting run too. Like I was, I, I was not a big impact. I mean, I haven't watched TNA Impact Wrestling regularly since the Hardys left. Um, so yeah. I was a, that was a little after I started phasing out of Impact and and stopped watching. I always kept tabs, you know, social media and and uh, and you know, you'll see the occasional thing on YouTube. But um, I was out of it by that point. And it got like, and and Matt Seidel's double champion reign came around the same time as well. So yeah. I think it just kind of eliminated. I was just not into the product at the time. Nowadays, we've spoken about it just like even last episode with Austin talking about how TNA's got a lot of pieces in place to really start putting themselves back into the discussion for you know biggest wrestling companies in America. I mean, AE, at one time TNA was definitely the number two to WWE uh, oh, yeah. in terms of alternative and, and exposure on national television. Uh, Unfortunately, that changed when the second they brought in Hulk Hogan, switched to Monday nights, and tried to change everything that made TNA unique to just go head-to-head with, with Vince and Monday Night Raw. Again, a discussion for another day. We can talk all about how TNA has done uh, their their uh, their trials and tribulations. WCW 2.0. WC. Thank God they saved themselves, though, for a company that had so much promise at a, at their early in their early years. I was so afraid that they were going to shut their doors down, at least you know, even just two years ago. I mean, everybody who they were, they had to draw left. Their their homegrown guys all left, and for a good year or so, they only had a handful of names that kind of could draw. I mean, I hate to say it, but Pentagon Jr. and Austin Aries were never going to draw the same way. Jeff Hardy, Kurt Angle, Bobby Lashley, Bobby Roode, James Storm ever did. Um, so yeah, that's. Uh, that's you know TNA had its its fair share of had its fair share of issues, uh, but moving along, another unique pairing to find on uh, in this discussion uh, is just the ones who were the most recent double champions in WWE, Bailey and Sasha Banks, who we spoke about on the last episode with Austin as well, being the unofficial MVPs of the pandemic era of WWE so far uh, in their work. Uh, so, Angela, what do you make of them and their and both of their double title reigns coming simultaneously? So, 
Uh, both of them as single stars are obviously they're they're two of the best. Uh, actually, they're yeah, they're two horsewomen that you think of in modern day WWE. Um, as single stars, they're phenomenal. As tag champs, they uh, I, f- I feel like they had a decent run. I feel like it could have been a little bit better, but the fact that they used every like heel tactic to keep those titles, it um it had it had like a different type of symbolism to it. Yeah, I mean we spoke about it that the, the slow build is is definitely going to be uh, paid off somehow. Very you know I think in very grand fashion down the line somewhere, whether that's at a pay per view upcoming the Royal Rumble or hopefully even WrestleMania, but. Um, the women's tag title reign definitely played into it because it showed how Bailey was now holding two titles and originally Sasha only had the one and so it looked like she might start to get a little jealous and maybe she was going to go after Bailey and then try and take the title from her but then they ended up on Raw and then the whole stuff with Asuka and then the desperation for them to maintain their titles and then after losing their title rematch Bailey turning heel and I think that there was a lot of positives to it uh, in that sense, uh, I think maybe Sasha getting the second title and kind of stunting the growth of Asuka's current reign uh, as the new face of Monday Night Raw's women's division, I think was a little much. But outside of that, I do like the concept of them being the tag champs and Bailey two belt or sorry, Bailey dough straps uh, and two belts banks definitely played their roles perfectly and provided a lot of entertaining value to what we were discuss uh, to what we're discussing and also what we were discussing last episode and the pandemic era and what they provided us in terms of that. So definitely two very good characters uh, discussion topics there. Um, I mean we, we really don't need to sit here and go through every name on this list. I mean some of them, you know, were just run of the mill, you know, time frames where they kind of put a singles guy or a singles champ into a tag team. Eddie Guerrero, when he did it, was teaming with his nephew Chavo, and they were on, on and off, on again, off again team as it was. And Eddie just happened to be the United States champion at the time. Batista and Rey Mysterio were kind of thrown together in 2005, and they had a short-lived reign when Batista was world champion. Uh, John Cena's time as double champion came when he was feuding with Shawn Michaels for the main event of WrestleMania 23, and I think we've spoken about this in the past how much I did not like the fact that the World Tag Team Championships were just forgotten about at that WrestleMania. You know, it was like, yeah, yeah they put the World Tag Team titles on the two guys facing each other in the main event, so it defeated the purpose of being tag champs. Um, another interesting name on here that I got to say is Rob Van Dam. What did you make of RVD and his double title reign? So his his double title reign actually... um. I was I was watching his match against Cena the other night, and uh, the the point where uh, Edge speared Cena through that table, and then causing Rob Van Dam to pick up the win that night on ECW to win the WWE Championship, him holding the ECW World Title and the WWE World Title, that was just it was it was insane. Like he he the fact that he was able to um, not only wrestle in a regular match, but to have to go on another night and wrestle in a hardcore match, you know, whenever whenever he had to, it, it just proved a lot for him. It was yeah, crazy. And unfortunately, the the circumstance of how those both of those reigns ended were kind of sad. Him and Sabu got pulled over for uh, driving under the influence of marijuana. Uh, they, they suspended Sabu immediately. RVD dropped both titles in a matter of a week. 
and was also suspended and never reached the same heights in WWE because they next never trusted him again after putting so much faith in this guy and you know they really spent four years building him. I mean, ever since he came over in the in the Alliance Invasion storyline, he was built. You know, first as a tag team guy, then as a mid card guy, and he's getting over with the crowd because of his offense. And he was just never the same after that, unfortunately. But RVD did have a lot of promise to him, um, and I still think that that might be by far the most p- partisan crowd we've ever seen in the sense of it was one sided. Everyone was on RVD's side, and not a single person in that building wanted John Cena to win. And the booking decision was 110% right. And if all, you know, the the rebranded ECW, for lack of a better term, was garbage. But there was hope at that moment in time that they could do some good. And RVD was just unfortunately a casualty of his own wrongdoing. But I loved the the concept, um, and they tried. Unfortunate circumstances. Um... So Undertaker kind of shocks me just because I never really pictured him being on a list like this. Although it was again during the invasion, and I feel like a lot of a lot of these double champion reigns happened at or around during the time of the invasion. X Pac, uh, Undertaker, Kane, Canyon, Booker T, Test, uh, Chris Jericho, all of theirs, at least uh, Jericho's, actually both of Jericho's, taking place in that time frame. Uh, and yeah, I counted Jericho's WWE and WCW title wins uh, that reign, even though those titles became to be known as the Undisputed Championship and eventually were defended as one title. Initially, they were not, because that's what Jericho always talked about. I beat Stone Cold and The Rock in the same night. It was two separate matches, initially for two separate championships. It wasn't until after Jericho had won that the titles were considered to be one, so that's why I'm considering it to be... Um, uh, qualifying for the stipulations we proposed for this list. Um, and we talked, there's only four women on this list, and we talked about two of them, so it serves us right to talk about the other two. Uh, first of all, Paige. Paige made her main roster debut at 21 years old, uh, on Monday Night Raw, the night after WrestleMania 30. She was the current NXT Women's Champion. She came out, she went face to face with AJ Lee, and she won the Divas title. I mean, even though she relinquished the NXT Women's title a couple of weeks later and and moved up full-time to the main roster, for what Paige did in her short time as an active competitor, I got to believe, man, that that had to be... I remember watching. I was shocked. I was genuinely shocked. And AJ was on the roll of a lifetime. 295 days. It was the longest Divas title reign in history at that moment in time, only to be eclipsed by Nikki Bella a year and a half later. But... Uh, just for what it was worth, what did you take out of that moment? I mean, I, what did you think immediately watching live when Paige came out and then not only came out and interrupted, but won the title? Well, that, um, I actually do remember that night as well. Um, when she came out, I remember the announcers talking about NXT, you know, the current NXT women's champion. And I was like, all right, you know, she's on NXT. Um, you know, maybe, maybe she, Maybe she's going to fight tonight. Maybe, you know, I, I didn't think she was going to win, but to win her debut match and become a Divas champion in her debut, like that, that like really, I was, I was in total shock. I was just like staring at the TV, like what the fuck did I just watch? Like that was, that was insane. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. pretty cool. It was, it was very cool. Um, And I remember thinking too, that this was so like unexpected. 
And it yeah. was, and she, because AJ had literally just walked through every other woman on the main on the main roster the night before in that fourteen woman open invitational at WrestleMania thirty. So, I was I was happy, and I, I hate to see that, and and I hate to have seen how Paige's career ended up turning out. You know, the injuries unfortunately taking her out of action, looking like forever. I mean, I guess you can never say never. We edge the same thing. You know, I guess if Edge comes back, there's hope for her. Edge and Daniel Bryan both came back from career-ending injuries, but I mean, we don't know. And so, hopefully, she definitely had something more to give in terms of in-ring. Uh, I mean, I know she's been doing great as both a general manager on, on, on and panelist and stuff, but I'd love to see her get back in the ring if ever. And then Becky Lynch, and I don't think there's much that can be said other than the most historic moment in women's wrestling history. I mean, there's just no topping what what, what happened the night of WrestleMania 35, April the 7th, 2019 at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And then the reason I'm hyping this show up so much is because Angelo and I were there. And the entire atmosphere of the whole show was amazing. And to top it all off, being able to watch Becky Lynch and the three three of the most talented and athletic women in the world I'm talking, I know, and I'm, I mean that when I say Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda, when at the top of their game are unparalleled, especially in this business. Um, and, and I'm, and I'm giving Ronda a lot of praise with that. Um, I, I just, there, there's no, there's not many words that you could say other than just emotional, awe-inspiring. There's a lot of emotions that come from it, and all of them good. Oh yeah, Mania 35. What a, what a night! But the icing on the cake was definitely seeing. Becky, you know, hold up those two belts. Her literally, like, I, I could have sworn I saw her crying in the ring. Yeah. Like, she was, you you could tell how big that moment was for her. And just the pop mm-hmm. after hearing her, you know, uh, when, like, after they rang the bell and they announced her name, just hearing the pop and the fireworks and everything, it, oh, man. <laughs> it gives me goosebumps now to think about it because, I mean, you know, the funniest part, too, is, Angela, you and I were also there the night that that meteoric rise to the top started. It was at SummerSlam 2018, the August before, where Becky was competing in a triple threat match with Charlotte Flair and Carmella for the SmackDown Women's title. And Charlotte won the match instead of Becky, and I don't remember how it went, but she cost Becky the match. And so Becky was, like, faking, you know, emotionally being happy for her best, quote-unquote, best friend. and that attacked her and it was supposed to be a heel turn but everyone in the building popped like she was a baby face because we couldn't stand charlotte we were at the point where her reigns were getting incessant and and she was the not the woman we wanted to see we wanted to see becky get her time and that's how the man was born and then you know on that same night ronda rousey won the women's title from alexa bliss on the raw side and the 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 pieces were all intertwined. Becky ended up taking the title from Charlotte and started her feud with Ronda. Nia Jax breaks M- M- Becky's face, so Charlotte slides in and has that fantastic match with Ronda at Survivor Series. Becky continues her meteoric rise. You continue the teasing at TLC. Becky gets entered into the Royal Rumble match, eliminates Charlotte last. They do that crappy storyline. I'm sorry, I did not like the initial part of it where Vince was taking her out, but when you see what it did, it really made you want. Becky in there even more. I hated it in that moment because I just couldn't stand Charlotte Flair at the time. But they built such a perfect story and it wasn't like they just gave the main event to them. Those women earned it. And on that night, there was no other match on that card with a bigger, better build that should have gone on last over them. Those three women earned it. They deserved it. They had it. 
and they they killed it. Outside of a small botched finish, they killed it. And I think Becky being the double champ to get back to this topic coming out of it was the right call, even if it was only for like a month or so. And we were ironically to cap it off, we were there when she lost the first one of those two titles. She lost the SmackDown Women's title to Charlotte a month and a half later at Money in the Bank. So. Angelo and I are personal witnesses to just about every aspect of the story of Becky Two Belts. Um, anyway, so to move it along, one more person we'll discuss before we talk about uh, our overall opinions on it, because we've talked about a lot of people in depth. And that is the man, the, the, the guy who's on here the most. Uh, and that is Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins has quietly and quickly became one of the most champion, accomplished champions in WWE history. He's the only man to, on three separate occasions, be considered a double champion. So, you know, we mentioned a handful of guys like Chris Jericho, Kane, uh, actually just Chris Jericho, Kane, and Kurt Angle, albeit in two separate companies, and The Miz are the only others to have had multiple times where they held double championships. Um, But Seth Rollins went and did it three times. 2015, I was there the night that he won the United States title in a winner-take-all match against John Cena. It was uh, the match of the night, save for John Stewart getting involved. Seth walked out with both titles. Uh, the second one taking place in uh, the late 2018 when uh, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose won the Raw Tag Team titles the night Roman Reigns announced his leukemia was back. Rollins was also the Intercontinental Champion at the time, and Ambrose turned heel that night. That tag title reign did not last all that long. The third being when he was the Universal Champion and in a feud with Braun Strowman, they were kind of you know on again, off again friends and won the Raw Tag Titles from Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Uh, ended up losing the titles back to Ziggler and Roode uh, just a few weeks later. Uh, so really the first one was the only of note one uh, in terms of how good the overall story ended up playing out, but Seth Rollins, man. Uh, how much good can you say about that man? Uh, you could you could go on and on about him. I mean, first ever NXT champion, um, Universal champion, WWE champion, yeah. uh, United States Intercontinental, held the Raw Tag Titles. Um, yeah, he's he, he's had a very good career for so. Yeah, Such let's, a short time in WWE. So let's 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 overall recap his statistics. He is a uh, four-time world champion, twice the WWE title, twice the Universal title. He is a, uh, I believe, a three-time Intercontinental champion. No, he might no two-time Intercontinental champion. One, Apologies on that one. A one-time United States champion. He's a seven-time tag team champion, and ironically enough, he's held the titles with six different partners: Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns. Uh, Jason Jordan, Braun Wrong Strowman, show. and Buddy Murphy. Five different partners for six different reigns. Apologies, I'm, I'm, I'm missing my stats off by a little bit. He was also the winner of the 2014 Money in the Bank ladder match. He was the winner of the 2019 Men's Royal Rumble match. And he has competed unofficially in at least one main event of WrestleMania, the main event of Mania 31, when he cashed in Money in the Bank, the heist of the century. Not to mention his... Uh, SummerSlam main event against Brock Lesnar, his Summer Sl- his WrestleMania matches with Triple H uh, and Brock Lesnar. Uh, he has had some of the most unbelievable moments in a very quick period of time. You know, he's only been on the main rosters and the first ever NXT champion as well. Been on the main roster since only 2012, so only seven and a half years or so um, since his first title win in 2013. 
Um, can't say enough about Seth. Really cannot say enough about Seth. No, definitely not. There's, there's definitely, I, I feel more to be said as time goes on. Yeah, <laughs> his story is far from over, and I think there's so much more he could do. This Monday Night Messiah gimmick has been, no pun intended, God sent for him. And exactly what he needed after his twenty twenty or his twenty nineteen character got so stale so fast. He went from being the most over guy to the most annoying guy. And you needed a direction for him. The direction was very simple. Turn him heel and you give him the best gimmick he's probably arguably ever had. Uh, and how he's played this gimmick has been so good. He has made it he's hammed it up and he's done everything right. His promo work is on another level. His in ring work is always good. You know, there's nothing you can say about Seth's in ring work that's bad, really. You know, you, you know, some people might say injury, call he might cause injuries, but no, 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 no. That was some freak accidents in a in a short period of time. Uh, and I just realized that I missed a name on my list. Not to uh, kind of draw away from the Seth Rollins discussion, but there was one other man who uh, I, uh, as far as my research tells, was a double champion, and that was Montel Vontavious Porter, MVP, who in 2007 was one half of the WWE Tag Team Champions with Matt Hardy while simultaneously reigning as the United States Champion in what is to this day still the longest United States Championship reign in WWE history by all of, I think, five days. I think he holds, still holds the record over Dean Ambrose, whose reign fell five days short from 2013 into 14. So another name on the list. But back to Seth Rollins, uh, just to wrap up that thought, Seth I, I genuinely think that if there's ever going to be a guy who's going to win another, you know, have another time as double champ, it's going to be Seth. Because he is the definition of a guy who you can ask to go two or three times in one night and actually wrestle a full length match twice in one night. You know, not just a, a throwaway 10 minute, you know, opening match and then, you know, that really grueling main event. No, I, I'm telling. Uh, he is one of those handful of guys. I mean, that that's technically their job, but I don't see a guy like. Braun Strowman, you know, even though he did it with Seth, being able to go at that same pace. You know, if you put Seth in there with a guy like Dolph Ziggler to open the show and then Adam Cole to close the show, they could all both matches could go 20, 30 minutes, and I think Seth can handle it. And Seth's feats have proven that in his uh, 2018 gauntlet match appearance where he beat both Roman Reigns and John Cena in one match. So that being said, we've talked about you know, some of the more uh, featured names on this list among the many. Um, the thing that I want to say is, overall, what is your opinion on a any superstar being a double champion? We've talked about these specific reigns and kind of de and debated them and, and looked at them individually, but the concept as a whole, is it something that you like? Is it something that you don't like? Is it something that has to be very specific in terms of the situation and the superstar and the titles and the story? Uh, you can see where mine's going. But I'm going to let you go first, Angelo. What do you think? Um, so for for me, it's it could be a hit or a miss. I mean, there there has to be a reason for you to put two straps on someone. Um, if you're just doing it just to do it, then for me, it, it wouldn't make any sense. But... Um, recently, I mean, I don't, I don't want to kind of stray off topic, but recently what New Japan has been doing is they've been having the world title and the intercontinental title being held at once. Yeah. And, uh, most recently, I, I'm, I forgot who beat evil. Tetsuya Naito uh, won them both back. Naito won them both back, right. So, um, to me that's interesting because now they're having two of their main titles being held by 
one person. Yeah, and I think Naito even said that he he doesn't he if they're gonna make them one if they're gonna make him one title, fine. But otherwise, he wants to wrestle twice. He cut a promo after one of his matches, maybe even after he won the titles back from Evil. He said, "I want to wrestle twice. If you're gonna make this one title, fine." But if they're going to be two titles, I'm wrestling twice. Like, he was being very adamant about it. And this is a guy who's got a lot of neat problems. So, he's being adamant about it. And I agree, you know, that's the way it should be. Yeah, exactly. There For me, for me, there has to be a reason to put two towels on someone. I mean, you know, if you're going to put the tag titles on someone, I hate to use this example, but to have, um, like, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose win it on Monday Night Raw that night, when Rons was the IC ty- uh, was IC champ, and then they won the uh, tag titles only for Ambrose to turn heel. I get it was part of the story, yeah. but just to put the tag titles on, just to make it like a moment for me, it didn't really make that much sense. Only for them to lose to AOP. Really, Seth Rollins lost. Ambrose had nothing to lose. Yeah, well, Rollins. I mean, he went out there and tried, but he lost in a two on one handicap. Yeah. I-, I mean. In that instance, I think it's okay because it it was a part of a much bigger story that had so much potential, and that's another thing that we could talk about. Is dropped, you know, when they dropped the ball with some big storylines, we could talk about that, you know, again, any any time. But um, it to me, it, it, like you said, it's got to be very specific. You got to have a reason, like. Going into Adam Cole versus Keith Lee at NXT Great American Bash back in July of this year, there was a lot of reason for it. The reason was, who is the single best male singles wrestler in NXT? There's a lot of bragging rights there, and I was very high on the concept because I thought that those two guys were going to kill it, and they did. They had a great match. Keith Lee winning was the right call. And then they immediately turn around. Keith forfeits the NXT North American title devaluing it and like, okay, great. All these guys fought over it and now they lost. He, now he, he wins and he gives up the one that's clearly the secondary title. And then he only holds the main title for a month and a half. And he loses it to Karrion Cross before Cross gets hurt, unfortunately. Karrion was so hot, he would have ran for that for probably a year, I'm not going to lie. Probably would have tried oh, yeah. to match Adam Cole's record. But the unfortunate circumstances of Adam Cole was champion for 403 days, you know, over a year. Yet, um, and yet the next two champions combined did not equal two months in their reign. Keith Lee, I think, was 40-something, and, and Karrion Cross was all of four because of his injury. Karrion, you can understand, unfortunate circumstances. But that's the thing. Like, I don't like when they do that and they don't have a direction for afterwards. With Seth Rollins, the first time he did it, there was a clear direction. He was going into Night of Champions, and he had to face two different guys. He had to face John Cena for the U.S. title, and then Sting for the world title. And so he had two separate matches, and I liked that concept. Because you were trying to prove at SummerSlam who the better man was, who the better champion was, Seth or John. Fine. That's a great reason to have a title versus title winner-take-all match. You got my interest, especially when it's two guys as good as them. I lose interest when you start... Messing with the aftermath. They did it right there, and Seth only held the title for a month. Similar with Becky Lynch, she did the same thing. But a guy like, uh, you know, a guy like, um, as I, I just lost my train of thought, and I'm sorry, John Cena, uh, when he did it when he did it in 2007. I've been very outspoken about how I did not like how him and Sean held the tag titles whilst going against each other in the main event of WrestleMania. There was no need for that, and it takes an opportunity 
away from other guys to potentially get on the lower card with the world tag titles on the line. And then they come out the next night on Raw after WrestleMania, and they have to compete in two 10-team battle royals, or, uh, yeah, two 10-team battle royals, and the premise was they were going to keep going until they lost the titles. So you're basically saying that they're losing the titles tonight because they're gonna it's not going to end. And then Sean turned on John anyway. There was no point to the whole thing from the second they won the titles from Rated RKO to the second they lost them in that second battle royal to the Hardys. You know? And then all it did was it sent the world tag titles right back into the middle of nowhere and had them go right through the biggest show of the year with nothing. To me, that didn't make sense. So, again, it's very sporadic to me. There has to be a good reason. I think with Seth the first time, good reason. Uh, Seth the second time, I can excuse it because of the story purposes. The third time with Seth, no. Did not need that whole thing with him and Braun. But WWE loves to do that. Uh, we uh, And um, Keith Lee, too. I think that the initial premise was great. The aftermath was just awful. And unfortunately, Keith, I feel like this summer, Keith started off so hot and then it just kind of slowed to a screeching halt where he lost the lost the relinquished the North American title, lost the NXT title, gets called up to the main roster, and now he's the afterthought in the Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton storyline. And so, I mean, I don't know. It's been a rough few months in my eyes for Keith. I still have high hopes for that man. But anyway, anything else you'd like to add to that, Angelo? No, I think uh, I think that's pretty much it for that. All right. So then, the last thing we want to talk about before we wrap it up here entirely is looking to the future. Is there anyone who has not been, or maybe someone who has and maybe doing it again? And this is a little harder to dictate because again, we both think that storyline purposes will determine that. Um, deserve to be a double champion again. I, I've already said I think Seth is the prime guy, but other than Seth, because he's done it three times and he's clearly the, ca- the ca- a good candidate. Uh, who do you think? Other than Seth, um... Ah, oh, geez. Um, you know, I would I would find it interesting if, if it's not going to be now, because um, I don't think that they have anything planned for him yet, uh, but The Miz... I would like to see him be a double champ. Yeah, he's like, well, like we said, he's already done it twice. And I think, I really thought in 2016 there was a there was a fair reason to do it. I mean, he could have held the Intercontinental title and then won the world title. And I really think him being both champions would have been nice. Maybe overkill, but I still think in 20, 2016, Miz should have been world champion. Sorry, Ambrose's reign was okay. Styles' reign was great. But... Yeah, I think Miz should have won the title in there somewhere, and unfortunately, he did not. Um, to talk about a guy who's not on the list, I definitely think that uh, two people, one of them female, one of them male, the male being Adam Cole. Uh, I, I look at Adam Cole, and I think that this is a guy who genuinely can still be the face, the star of the company before his career is over. Yeah, he's the face of NXT. He has been for over a year. Right now, it looks like he's kind of taking a backseat. I don't know what they're doing with the UE. Kyle O'Reilly's getting an NXT title match against Finn Balor at TakeOver. So, interesting developments. But I think if he ever comes up to the main roster, that's a guy who, technically speaking, was already a dual champion. I did not include him because he really only filled in for the one night at TakeOver New Orleans... He won the North American Championship and then had to go and defend 
the tag titles in place of the injured Bobby Fish. That was the night Roderick Strong turned heel and joined the UE. So, you know, that was, to me, not credible because he he he's credited as being the NXT Tag Team Champion, but he held the title unofficially for one night. You know, yeah. so his resume will read it, but nonetheless. So I think Adam is one. And female-wise, there's only four women on this list so far. And three of them are the of the four horsewomen of WWE. The one name left off of this, and I then I, I can't believe this, is Charlotte Flair. Char and, and trust me, I am not petitioning for more Charlotte Flair championship reigns. Heaven forbid we get a thousand more of them. She's gonna break her father's record, but on the women's side, and that's just a fact. But I think Charlotte, if if there was another woman currently in the WWE who should, it's gotta be her. It would have to be her. Like the, I mean, tag in something else. Yeah, tag Becky, Becky Page and Becky Page, Becky Page, Sasha and Bailey are four of the five biggest names of the modern women's generation, who really revolutionized that divas revolution into the women's revolution into the women's evolution, and they're going to continue to change the name. I have a feeling, but Charlotte's the fifth, and those five were the were the key pieces to it. Yeah, guy, uh, girls like Alexa Bliss. And, and Natalia, and even the Bellas, and Ronda Rousey, and other, and all the women involved have had a say and have had a good role to play. But the cornerstones are those five, and so I think Charlotte's the one who needs to get there next. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I definitely uh, Charlotte. I can't believe that uh, that they that they wouldn't even think to put her as a double champion yet. But like you said, heaven forbid. <laughs> let's not do that just yet. Let's let's keep her out of the main picture for right now. Um, really quick, one thing one thing that uh, I feel like they could have done as a double champion was an NXT wrestler uh, going up on his debut back in twenty was it twenty thirteen? Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens, and 20, John Cena. Twenty fifteen. Well, he like, was close. Twenty fifteen. Um, yeah, so that was the weird time. WWE ran three pay per views in six weeks. I remember yeah. that. And all three of those pay-per-views saw John Cena versus Kevin Owens. Um, I believe the first two took place while he was the NXT champion. However, if I'm not mistaken, the third of those three took place, and, and, and my placement might be wrong, took place after he lost the NXT title to Finn Balor in Japan on the 4th of July. Yeah, th that sounds correct. But I'm not, a, and, and I know for a fact that the first two matches were not for the title. Owens beat Cena in a non-title match in his debut on the main roster, which was non-title. Then Cena won the rematch, which was also non-title. Owens then had his third and final match, which I think was the, was Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank pay per view, yeah. Because it was Elimination Chamber when Owens beat him. Money in the Bank, uh, was it Payback or Extreme Rules? I don't know. The pay-per-view schedule was weird at the time, but pay, you know, whatever the the pay-per-view after in June was, and then uh, the third one was Money in the Bank when Cena had the U.S. title defense, and the defense was, I believe, after Owens. So, but I agree. To make a long story short, I think that that would be a very unique thing, a main roster champion, a one man holding a main roster title and a NXT title. I think that that could very easily be done by the women's tag team championships, which technically go to all three brands. So you could have an NXT superstar like an Io Shirai. You know, she's been working with Shotzi Blackheart lately. Maybe if she's working with, uh, uh, 
you know, someone like that or anything, she could win that. And and another interesting concept, although I don't think this one would work out as well as the and this has to wait till after the pandemic, NXT and NXT UK, you know, maybe one of your NXT, yeah, you know, Damian Priest is the North American champion. Maybe he can make his way over to the NXT UK brand and face Walter. That's a match I didn't realize I wanted until just now. But interesting concepts all around. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, NXT UK and NXT, that would be an interesting one without a doubt. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and, and, and two, they've done that with Worlds Collide. Um, but nonetheless, uh, a good discussion, and I think that that kind of wraps up everything that we were looking to discuss tonight. Uh, so we thank you once again for joining us on another episode of the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. Angelo, do you have anything else you'd like to say to the wonderful people? Um, I think, you know, thank you for joining us again for another episode, and uh, I think that's it for tonight. Yes, indeed it is. So we will see you all next time. Uh, and always remember to like, share, subscribe, and let your friends know that we are out there and we are trying to spread the word. And always remember to never be afraid to be a fan. So long, everyone, and we'll see you next time.